<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow, patreon.com slash bpshow. you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. He goes all the way to Puerto Rico to tell the Puerto Ricans, hey, you knocked our budget out of whack, dummies. What do you say? There he is, the consoler in chief. Once again, the bully in chief. Hello, everybody. On a Wednesday, October 4, here we go. How about it? Great to see you today. It is the Bill Press Show. That's me, and you are all part of the program, of course, as we come to you. Wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours, uh, showing up right alongside of you, in your ear, in your face, coast to coast, on uh, YouTube, on Free Speech TV, and on WCPT out in Chicago. With all the news of the day, President Trump down in Puerto Rico yesterday, kind of making a fool of himself. Uh, handing out rice and paper towels. No, throwing rice, throwing paper towels. Uh, and, yes, accusing the people of Puerto Rico of knocking our budget out of whack. How dare you, he seemed to say. Uh, and that today he goes off to Las Vegas, uh, allegedly to console the victims of a Sunday night shooting. We'll cover- probably be a little bit of a different visit uh, in uh, Las Vegas. Well, one hopes so. But you know when he is off script? Yeah. You never know what's going to what's going to happen to him. Uh we've got that covered also the Supreme Court yesterday taking a pretty critical look at gerrymandering and redistricting. We've been talking a lot about it and um uh the justices seem to think maybe 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 this is getting out of whack. We'll bring you all, all of the above and look forward to hearing from you on Twitter. Send us your comments at BP Show, at BP Show. But first, this what is, is the day, Full Court Press. All right, just a couple of other stories for you on this Wednesday morning. Just last year, Yahoo announced that a 2013 breach of their system exposed personal information of nearly 1 billion accounts. Yesterday, we found out that number was actually... Three billion. Every, every single one, right? Three times the amount yeah. of user accounts that we originally thought. The new disclosure comes just four months after Verizon acquired Yahoo's core internet assets for $4.48 billion. You know, Peter, you may have seen this on Twitter yesterday. I, I think I saw a statistic that said something like there's actually only like 2.8 billion 
people that that have internet access. Is that right? Did you see that yesterday? No, I didn't see that, but that that doesn't surprise me if that's you know because a lot of people create multiple email addresses. Right, right, right. To whether it I'm trying to get like free trials to newspapers or music services online, but either way, that's just crazy nuts. Three yeah. billion accounts. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, hey, so yesterday, <laughs> Foreign Minister of Australia Julie Bishop talking to Australia's Channel Nine TV station. Uh, telling that TV station that Australia would be more than happy to lend its expertise about gun violence Good to the for her. United yeah. States. Yeah, yeah. Foreign Minister Julie Bishop saying, quote, we have had this experience. We acted with a legislative response. Uh, you may know this this fun fact here that yeah. since their 1996 Port Arthur massacre, a mass shooting, country hasn't had a mass shooting since then. Right. Since 1996, no. No, it's huge. Oh, but there's nothing we can do. No, nothing we can no, do. Of course right. not. Can't and now's an not like the time. Yeah, can't politicize an event yeah, like right. that. Uh, of course not. And just last week, Australia had a three-month national gun amnesty in which people could surrender their unregistered illegal or unwanted firearms to local authorities without fear uh, of penalty or prosecution. More than 26,000 firearms were turned oh, in. Oh, come on. We're the greatest country on earth. We have nothing to learn from anybody else. Right. We do things better than That's anybody right. else on the planet. So stop it. Of course not. Hey, one more story here. Uh, you don't baseball. love our country. It's your problem. Baseball playoffs kicked off last Take a night. Knee. The New York Yankees defeated the Minnesota Twins 8-4 <laughs> to in the American League wildcard game. They will face the Cleveland Indians, the best team in the AL, and uh, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. They play tonight for the National League Wild Card. Hasn't Cleveland has set a record for the longest time without a World Series, I think, of any team? I think that's right now. Yeah. The Cubs won yeah. last year. They, they look real good. They're they the look team very to be. good. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. How dare you throw our budget out of whack? What the hell are you doing down here in Puerto Rico? Donald Trump travels all the way down there to scold uh, the people of Puerto Rico uh, once again, and then making up for it by throwing them paper towels. What do you say? Oh, God, what an embarrassment. Hello, everybody. On a Wednesday, Wednesday, October 4th. 2017. How good to see you today. Right here in the middle of the week, uh, we've got to, we're sort of in between uh, consular and chief trips from Puerto Rico today, going out to Las Vegas uh, for the uh, President of the United States. We're here in Washington, D.C., trying to keep track of it all. There's a lot of news to talk about. Uh, and uh, once again, a uh, Trump cabinet member stands up to say, no, the president's wrong about that. Uh, God, they are all over the place. Uh, Defense Secretary James Mattis yesterday saying, we think we ought to stay in that Iran deal because uh, it's better not to have Iran uh, making nuclear weapons than canceling the deal and letting them go back to it. Well, it's 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 about time Trump fired another cabinet member. I so, think so. Yeah, right. You know, it's been less than a week. Maybe Madison <laughs> Tillerson, you know, can go to double team. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be Friday. It'll be a Friday special. It seems to be the, the yeah. Uh, pattern. <laughs> yeah. Good Wait day. and see. Wait and see. Why did he fire <laughs> Betsy DeVos at any rate? Uh, hey, great to see you today, folks. We are with you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Of course, on Free Speech TV, looking at you uh, coast to coast 
on the great Free Speech TV. Thanks for joining us there and on WCPT out in Chicago and Indiana Talks in the Indianapolis area as well. Hello, 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 wherever you happen to be. Uh, yes, indeed, it was. Uh, uh, everyone was waiting to see what's Donald Trump going to say when he gets to uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, well, even before he, he uh, went down there, um, he, again, telling the Puerto Ricans, you're just not doing enough. You got to get 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 in those trucks, start driving those trucks on roads, by the way, that don't exist. We need their truck drivers. Their drivers have to start driving trucks. We have to do that. So at a local level, they have to give us more help. Now, it's nice of him to say that, right? You read the accounts this morning. I was reading there early before I came over to the studio where in some of these remote villages, they haven't been able to get to them yet because there are no roads. There are no bridges. They've all been washed away. Roads have been washed away. You know, uh, the trucks, there's there's stuff, food on pallets or supplies on pallets that's sitting at the airport in San Juan or sitting maybe halfway there, but they can't get them there because the people can't get the villages out to pick up the stuff and they can't get the stuff to the villages. But Donald Trump just says, come on, stop, start driving those trucks. To be fair, he really, really loves trucks. I don't know if you guys remember this moment <laughs> oh, at the White House. Oh, there he is. Yes, yes, we do remember that. That was actually a fire truck. Yeah. You know, it, it's just like he just doesn't understand no. the situation. Right. Right. And like he's shown through his Twitter comments in the in the now Before weeks he- since Maria has happened. Uh, that he doesn't understand how bad the situation is. He got there on the ground yesterday, and he said that they should be lucky that they didn't face a real catastrophe yeah. like okay. Katrina. You should be yeah. very proud, is very what he proud. said. Very right. proud that you didn't endure yeah. a real catastrophe like Katrina. Yeah, I mean, he said that. I mean, like, how many How many were dead? Well, here here it is, uh, uh, Jamie, if we can. Uh, how many were dead? Well, yeah, yeah, compared to Katrina, you guys, you'd be proud of this. 16 people certified, mm-hmm. 16 people versus in the thousands. Uh, you can be very proud of all of your people, all of our people working together. 16 versus literally thousands of people. Now, I think that's something you can be proud of. By the way, the death toll is now 34, and people, several people pointed out yesterday, um, even now, 34, that there are places in Puerto Rico yeah. they haven't gotten to right. yet. They, they, don't they, can't, know. they can't get to. Now, it's not going to be as high as Katrina. It probably will not. It's. I'd say safely, it's not going to be 1,800. Right. But again, they lost 34 people. The Wait, half of the island, half the people on the island still don't have drinking water. 5% of the island has electricity, right? It's still a disaster zone. And, and Trump is down there yesterday talking about how great it is and how proud you can be that only 16 people, buy, 16 people buy, died. And by the way, remember, these are the people he called ingrates. These are people, he said, they just stand around with their hand out wanting somebody else to do everything for them. They don't want to do anything for themselves, right? Mayor San Juan, he accused of having bad leadership, on and on and on. I mean, he started out, the very first tweet when he finally discovered Puerto Rico a week after the hurricane was to say, well, what do you expect? They, they, were in, they owed Wall Street a lot of money. Jesus. And they hadn't fixed their infrastructure. So yesterday he goes down there and says, do you realize how much money you people are costing us? You're throwing our budget all out of whack. I hate to tell you, Puerto Rico, but you've thrown our budget a little out of whack. Oh, great. What an ass. Great. Flying all the way down there to say that, right? What an ass. Yeah. Whack. Yeah. Hate to tell you. Do you know how much money you're costing us? It's whack. Just... 
God. Right. Uh, the good mayor, good mayor, Mayor Cruz of uh, San Juan, uh, she said, you know, here's what Donald Trump uh, ought to be doing. Just shut up, basically. I would hope that the president of the United States stops spouting out comments that really hurt the people of Puerto Rico because rather than commander in chief, uh, he um, sort of becomes miscommunicator in chief. Miscommunicator in chief, which is a nice way of expressing it. Uh, yeah, that, that's the most polite way you could describe right, him. Yeah. Uh, so stop, stop spouting off. And she said, by the way, so when he came down here and told us we're costing uh, too much. By the way, he didn't say Texas had cost us too much money, right? He didn't say Louisiana Florida. or Florida had cost us too much money. No, but Puerto Rico, they're Americans as much as the people living in Texas are. They. So for, for for him to say that, the mayor points out, uh, n- not what we wanted to hear. It just goes to prove that the lack of sensibility. Um, you're coming to a place where people are expecting you to be comforted, and they're expecting you, frankly, to speak as to which actions are going to happen. And that's what happened on the second part. Uh, when I heard him say, and I quote, Puerto Rico, you have thrown our budget out of whack for all the money we have spent here. It doesn't make you feel good. Uh, I saw that general honore on the on the news again yesterday. He is so good. He's, yeah, he is. He he's the one who was in charge after Katrina, and he says yeah, he he has just been so critical of the lack of response in Puerto Rico and the delay in response and the and the total mismanagement down there. Uh, he has been brutal. So then Trump goes to this church. Uh, a, a crowd that have been, of course, very carefully screened, right? Yeah. That none of them are going to be throwing mud at him. And he stands there, and he's handing out flashlights. And he says, of course, you don't need these anymore. Again, 95% of the island still doesn't have electricity. But he's bragging about the fact that I'm giving these flashlights even though you don't need them anymore. And then you saw, then he starts throwing boxes of rice and then throwing paper towels right, yeah. out to the crowd. Yeah. paper towels. Very presidential. This was very, very presidential. Which a lot of people have pointed out how alpha Donald Trump is and how masculine Donald Trump is and what a good basketball player he was when he was younger. Jump shot looked a little weak. Jump shot looked a little weak. A little too much wrist. Little... Well, he, you know, he probably saw Obama, how much love Obama got for playing basketball when he was president. And said, oh, well, you know, I'll do a little papa shot and <laughs> I'll, people will I'll think that I'm uh, People think I'm cool, too. Paper towels to people who are on the brink of uh, disaster. It was, yeah, I know. It I, wasn't, and it wasn't like a like a rowdy crowd. Like these were people no. who really, really, really needed those supplies. I mean, the, these supplies are, are are all that they have. Yeah, yeah, and, and he made a big game out of it. And it just goes to show you that Trump is in all of this for Trump. Totally right. Yeah. Like nobody there was excited to see him. Nobody there was. Uh, was going nuts over this stuff, but he had to turn it into this big event where all eyes are on him. That's really all it's about. It was an embarrassment, (laughs) really. No, we should be embarrassed. Yeah. We should be embarrassed. uh, Now, today, God knows what we're going to see today. Just hold our breath. By the way, we're starting to get comments on Twitter and YouTube. We're on Twitter at BP Show, on YouTube uh-huh. at YouTube.com backslash The Bill Press Show. You can jump into the chat room there. We're getting our first comments from the chat room. D. Seagull says, hey, Trump, you know how much money you are costing U.S. Americans? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Excellent. Talking about throwing the budget out of whack. Yeah, right, exactly. Susan adds, uh, <laughs> like he hasn't done a number on our budget already. 
And our friend Smacky Pipe says 95% of the island hasn't any power. Yeah. What do you think they're listening on? Their Gilligan's Island Coconut Seawater Radio? <laughs> Keep those comments coming in on Twitter at BP Show and on YouTube, youtube.com backslash The Bill Press Show. Now, I love it when he, <laughs> when he blames the media, saying the people, these people are just watching television and then saying what the media wants them to say. Yeah. No, they're not what watching, they watching television. No, exactly. What are you watching? All right. They're all watching Chris Cuomo and then coming out, or Dr. Sanjay Gupta, right, who has been excellent down yeah. there, right? He even tweeted this morning, by the way, oh, a great God. day in Puerto Rico yesterday. Oh. While some of the news coverage is fake, most showed great warmth and friendship. Did you see, and I watched a lot of Puerto Rico coverage and I read a lot about it, did you see any warmth or friendship? I didn't see a whole lot of it. Uh, I tell you one thing: I didn't see any warmth between Donald and Melania. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. She hold was your there for that. I didn't even know she was there. No, she was there. Wow, yeah, she was there. She had boots on too, by the way. <laughs> not. I wouldn't look not, too hard for warmth and friendship between Donald uh, and Melania, if not, you know what I mean. Not stiletto heels. Um, yes. So off today on uh, Las Vegas. The comments in Las Vegas yesterday again on the part of the Republicans were so disgusting. So Paul Ryan. Uh, finally speaks about it, and um, uh, Paul Ryan says, well, you know, here the pro- the underlying problem here is uh, mental illness. Mental. One of the, yeah. One of the things we've learned from these shootings mm-hmm. is that often underneath this is a diagnosis of mental illness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is why we spent years working on mental illness with r- reform, uh, Congressman Murphy's bill, and that's why the House representative passed landmark mental health reform just a year ago. Uh, they also passed a bill earlier this year oh uh, that made it easier for people that that rolled back, rolled back uh, the l- restrictions on the ability of somebody who'd been certified as mentally ill to buy a gun. Uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate both passed that legislation and Donald Trump signed it. So here's here's Paul Ryan makes it easier for somebody mentally ill to buy a gun. Who now saying, oh, here's the problem. The problem is mental illness. These guys are such hypocrites. And, of course, Mitch McConnell singing the tune of Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Donald Trump and so many other Republicans. Now's not the time. I think it's particularly inappropriate to politicize an event like this. It just happened within the last day and a half. It's entirely premature to be discussing about legislative solutions, if any. That pisses me off so oh much. Oh, my God. Again. After Sandy Hook, not the time. Virginia Tech, no, now's not the time. Orlando, no, now's not the time. Charleston, no, now's not the time. Damn it, now is the time. And if we don't do it now, if we don't talk about it now, when all these people are mowed down by guns. By the way, if you have a chance, go online to the Washington Post today. Look at their lead editorial. It it starts back with, I forget how long ago, and has the name of everybody killed by gunfire at every one of these mass shootings like for the last 10 or years or so. It's hundreds and hundreds of names, almost a whole editorial page. And what do we do about it? Nothing. We can't even talk about it, That's according the to these a-holes. Right now we can't talk about it because it's not the time. Yeah. Let's wait a month, which, by the way, assumes that we won't have another gun catastrophe say, no, wait, in this country You in wait a, a day, there'll be another mass shooting. Right, like when is the time? When, like, I would, that, that's a real question, I think, for Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and Sarah yeah. Huckabee Sanders. When is the time? It's, no. it's entirely inappropriate for Mitch McConnell to be telling Americans 
when is the time to be talking about this, especially when it has somebody saying premature like this. Yeah, entirely premature to be discussing about legislative solutions, if any. Oh, yeah, entirely premature. I'm reminded of uh, a couple of years ago outside Charlottesville, there was that woman, the anchor that was shot on air. Yeah, yes. And her father came out and said, like, immediately, I mean, his daughter had just been killed in a horrific way on air, and he came out and said, now is the time. Absolutely. Now is when we need to make some changes. We need to take a look at the gun laws in this country, and if the father of a murdered woman comes out the day after or two days after his daughter is killed on live television and says, now's the time, I'm going to take his word over Mitch McConnell. there There is a common thread here, right? I mean, okay, this is how we solve problems. So whether it's Orlando, Charleston, Sandy Hook, Las Vegas, you name it, San Diego. I mean, all of these, right? All these mass shootings. The, what, what, is, what is the one thing in common? Assault weapons for the most part. Guns for sure, yeah. right? So, of course, now's the time to talk about it. Chris Murphy, who's been very, very strong on this, the senator, two senators from Connecticut, but Chris Murphy, uh, who said the other day Congress has got to, got to, got to get its office ass, uh, said, you know, that, uh, again, speaking to what we were just saying, Peter, uh, they've, got to, they've got to get moving. Let's spend a little bit of time this week and next week coming up with some bipartisan solution to this epidemic so that we don't continue to offer what is a quiet endorsement of these continued killings. And the worst thing we can do, says Senator Murphy, is to say nothing. What is unacceptable in the wake of the most deadly mass shooting in the history of the country is for this utter silence, this unintentional complicity from Congress to continue. Amen to that. Now, Tom Friedman has a very interesting column in this morning's uh, New York Times, which I think speaks straight to this. And it's almost like blasphemous to say it, but I think he's right on. And, and he says, you know, the headline is, if only Stephen Paddock had been a Muslim. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. If he had been a Muslim, we would be doing something. Guaranteed. If he had been a Muslim, Donald Trump would be tweeting, I told you so. I told you why you need my Muslim ban. See, this is it, right? Just like he does when there's an incident in London or Paris or wherever, Nice or wherever, right? I told you so, see, but this. If this guy had been a Muslim, you know what? Congress would be holding hearings yesterday yeah, and today, and they would be passing legislation. They would now be, would be the time. That Now would eyes. be the time. Yep. If he'd been a Muslim, they would have been rushing legislation through God knows to do what, right? Uh, and um, not to do anything about the guns, but just to do, just crack down on the Muslim community in this country. Uh, all kinds of things would be happening. Um, there'd be investigation, there'd be a commission, the whole thing, if he had been a Muslim. The fact that it's a domestic terrorist, yeah, just like, a Dylan, white man. like Dylan Roof, in this case, a white man, right. Uh, or like, uh, what's his name in Oklahoma City? Timothy, Timothy McVeigh, McVeigh, right? We do nothing, 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 nothing. Of course, Timothy McVeigh was not, was, was not, uh, was a massacre, but not with guns. Um, but I think that's an excellent point, you know, and, and it just shows, again, the hypocrisy of these people, right, to say, no, we act if it's a foreign-born 
or we activists of Muslim. But it's an American does this with guns. Please be insensitive uh, to talk about that at all. And God knows again what, uh, what, uh, what uh, Donald Trump was going to say there today. But Fox and Friends, could they take it any further? <sighs> uh, yeah, they could. Yeah, they could. Here's the cockamamie idea that they come up with yesterday. They get a, a psychiatrist psychologist on the show. Brilliant. They love bringing medical professionals. Yes. Let's use air quotes when yes. saying medical, medical professionals. Medical professionals. Okay. <laughs> so his theory, which they are endorsing by having him on the show, is that this paddock guy in Vegas, that he's a victim because the media delegitimizes gun nuts. We make these people who go out and Get these, build these arsenals and everything to be wacky people, right? That's, it's our problem. We set him off to do this. Here's this idiot, Michael Wellner, so-called doctor, Fox and Friends yesterday. Absolutely, people who are gun enthusiasts and who are populists or nationalists in this country are dehumanized. They're demonized. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I travel all over the United States. I don't experience hatred. I turn on the television. In, in certain media, and I see these people demonized. No, I, I don't yeah. think we demonized Stephen Paddock or dehumanized him. I think he dehumanized 59 people in it's Las Vegas. Shame on us, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what, what is the point of even having that sentiment expressed on air? Isn't that absurd? It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's the idea that you would go there, right? No. And also the lengths of w at, at which some organizations fox news goes to change the narrative about a white male shooter versus a let's say a young black man who who has a gun or a muslim you know like immediately those people are evil incarnate or have like horrible intentions and this guy's getting like the benefit of a of the doubt uh well jamie pointed out i think it was monday morning that steven adelson's paper in las vegas oh sheldon sheldon adelson's yeah, paper yeah, yeah. in las vegas uh had already identified him as a muslim um uh before anything at all we knew anything Sloppy. at all about it. he just they just jumped right there because they knew gun killing innocent people Got to be, be a Muslim. Muslim. This is Sheldon, uh, excuse me, Sheldon Adelson's lead columnist uh, for his newspaper in Las Vegas, Wayne Allen Root. Mm. He tweeted early oh, Monday morning, this is real thing. Clearly coordinated Muslim terror attack. Pray yeah. for our Vegas police. Pray for victims. Very bad. Awful. Clearly coordinated Muslim. Do you notice anything about the cadence of that of, of that tweet, by the way? Very Trumpy. Very Trumpy. Very Short, Trumpy. choppy sentences, yeah. making yeah. a point. And sensationalizing a tragedy. And by very Trumpy, I mean about the level of a third grader. Uh, right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, didn't tell you about our lineup yet today. Congressman Dan Kildee, our good friend from Michigan, yep. will be joining us uh, in studio here. Jason Dick from uh, Roll Call, uh, Enterprise Editor at Roll Call, in studio as well with us. And then followed by Nina Turner, the great new president of our revolution, former state senator from uh, Ohio here She's in got studio some good with news us. news, too, from last and night. Good news from last night. Uh, there are a couple of other stories. Pardon me, stories that are important um, to mention. One is uh, another cabinet secretary uh, daring to differ with his boss yesterday. It was Defense Secretary James Mattis. You know the Iran nuclear deal um, negotiated uh, together with seven of our allies, 
uh, with Iran and uh, and that President Obama negotiated with seven of our allies with Iran, uh, whereby Iran agreed to and has followed up with dismantling, getting rid of its plutonium and its centrifuges and dismantling its nuclear weapons operation for at least 15 years. Uh, it's a time when the president has to certify whether or not we're going to stay in that or not. Uh, he, the, Trump has just said he is considering it. Uh, Defense Secretary James Mattis yesterday telling uh, the Senate, I think the Senate Armed Services Committee, that um, he thinks it's best for the United States to stay in. I believe at this point in time, absent indications to the contrary, it is something the president should consider staying with. You know, I think Mattis still comes out as as, as the star of the uh, Trump cabinet, which isn't saying much, frankly. Right. right. But so but, far, he seems to be I think at least gets, halfway. No, grown he up. Gets, got, I, th- I think he gets good marks. I think also, yeah. if if Trump were to try to do something really crazy about North Korea, uh, I think Mattis would say, uh, "Mr. President, that's." Not what we want to do. You got Jim Mattis at the top, and you got Nikki Haley a couple of rungs down, yeah. and then everybody else is just deep down in the basement. Yeah, when it comes to right. his cabinet, I put her further down. I mean, she's <laughs> the one I'll keep saying, you know, we've run out of time right. on 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 North Korea, but I don't know anybody else certainly uh, that's even close to Mattis in terms of just knowing what the job is and performing in the job. Right? I mean, Ben Carson. Rick Perry. I was going to say, did you, you remember that Rick Perry is the Secretary of Energy? Yeah. Do you? I just remembered that the other day and nearly I, fell has out. Has anybody heard from Rick Perry in the last nine months? <laughs> right? What the hell's he do? Right? Or Ben Carson? Well, he didn't know what he did Collect- at first. Remember? <laughs> he had no idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> collecting a paycheck. Right, sorry. Uh, the other big story is, and we'll get into this with our uh, with the congressman, good congressman from Michigan, Dan Kildee. The Supreme Court yesterday holding a big hearing, oral arguments on reapportionment, gerrymandering, uh, and um, the there was a, there were a lot of questions asked, and a lot of attention to the fact that Justice Kennedy, who's the swing vote certainly on this issue, uh, seemed to be more skeptical of, uh, of the the plan that Wisconsin put forward, asking a lot of questions about that. Uh, and seemed to indicate that he was ready to say this partisan gerrymandering on the part of legislators in many, many states. Maybe the courts ought to step in and do something about it. Again, we'll find out more about that from our good Congressman Dan Kildee coming up. And we look forward to hearing from you on all the issues of the day. Don't forget, you know how to do it. Go to Twitter. It's not just Donald Trump's uh, medium. Uh, It's yours as well. Go to Twitter. Send us your comments at BP Show. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Hey, here we go on this Wednesday, Wednesday, October 4. Uh, hello, folks, friends and neighbors. Great to see you today. And thank you so much for joining us as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. 
Where we're brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, the one and only Leo Girard. The United Steelworkers, North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members, doing a great job. Uh, Leo Girard working to um, get those steel jobs back here in the United States. Um, and uh, we salute them, thank them for the support of the program, and welcome. Uh, a good friend of uh, working families across this country. They're fighting for them every day in the United States Congress. The Honorable Dan Kildee. Hello, Congressman. Good morning. It's good to be back. Good to see you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, while you're walking in, I guess uh, Donald Trump is uh, up and tweeting. Gee, yeah. how unusual. That never happens. No, right. <laughs> Not this early. Not this yeah. early in the morning. Right. Uh, he has tweeted. What's he up to now? Peter? He has tweeted. He yeah. says, as of four minutes ago, <laughs> Wow. So many fake news stories today. Oh, yeah. No matter what I do or say, they will not write or speak truth. The fake news media is out of control. That is the tweet from and our president. You know, Donald Trump really, I think, turning out to be a disappointment as president. Uh, <laughs> hmm. but, <laughs> would be an understatement. In the sense that he's not meeting expectations. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that might be an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> but I do wonder what fake, I, what, what specific thing has the media that he would accuse of fake news today. What I suspect is Did he make a fool of himself in Puerto Rico? Yes. Yeah, he did that. You know, he was throwing rolls of paper towel as if he's some soldier distributing chocolate in Europe in 1943. (laughs) I mean, this was, it was embarrassing. It really was. You know what reminded me of? You know what, though? That's exactly what he thinks. Yeah. He thinks that he, like, uh, I mean, we remember what he said when he was running against Hillary Clinton. I alone can fix it. Yeah. Because he's so self-centered. He thinks that Puerto Rico has been waiting for him to show up and throw them a couple rolls of paper towels. Yeah. And that's all he needs to do to fix it. So I think when he tweets something like that, my first suspicion is that it's an, it's an inoculation, that there's some story coming that he's trying to get in front of it and remind mm-hmm. all of his uh, sycophants, the people who he insists on referring to as his base, that the story you're about to hear is not true. Fake news. Mm-hmm. Fake news. So right. who knows? Yeah, Maybe I'm, something's coming. I'm sure. He's watching TV and he sees this morning reports from Puerto Rico where there's still 95% of the island without electricity. Right. But so he was there yesterday. Come on. Everything, all the news today is supposed to be how wonderful everything is. He said it was a great day in Puerto Rico. I'm, I'm with Mr. President, I know you're listening because I'm sure he's a regular listener. <laughs> oh, Bill. you know. Yes. It was not a great day for the people of Puerto Rico. And they're not going to have a great day for, for a long time. Right. Yeah. So wake up, grow up, be an adult human being for once in your life, for God's sake, and understand that there are three and a half million people who are suffering the worst period that they will suffer in their lifetimes in a, in a community that is going through the worst challenge that it will face in its history. How do you like the fact that the first thing he says when he gets off the plane is, Man, you people certainly cost us a lot of money. You thrown our budget all out of whack. You know, like blaming them. The words right? I want to use right now. I don't. Do th- you have one of those buttons? Let me tell you something. <laughs> now you know what I suffer through every I single know. day. It's a real challenge. <laughs> and not only that, but like you know, he when he when he got there and he was talking about. The loss of life or, you know, what like what all has happened there. He says, you should all be, quote, yep. very proud right. that you haven't endured a real catastrophe like Katrina. Mm-hmm. In other words, this that's happening in Puerto Rico is not a real catastrophe. Yeah. Here he is yesterday. 16 people certified. 
16 people versus in the thousands. Uh, you can be very proud of all of your people, all of our people working together. 16 versus literally thousands of people. Actually, it's now 34, but you know it's going to go higher. But and, still, and, the and idea that you can be proud of this. Yeah, what does that have to do with anything? Um, as if we all should live the rest of our lives just comparing our daily experiences to Katrina. And as long as it's not Katrina, we should be proud and we should be happy. <laughs> this right. is a disaster. And, you know, I think it, it, it implies a certain self-centeredness, which we are now far too accustomed to. Because the reason he says this has nothing to do with what the people of Puerto Rico are suffering or dealing with. It's because he wants people to know that by comparison, right, right. he's better than W. Bush, 1800, yeah. me, 16. Right. Yeah. That's what that is. Right. That's what that is. That's all it is. Right. And it's, you know, he's a, this is a sick person. There's something wrong with the president of the United States. There's no other way to say it. Yeah. There's no other way to say it. I mean, he is not well. And but here's the here's the issue. All of that being said, I think a mistake that we sometimes make as Democrats is to look for some sort of easy path out of this. Mm. Um, that he's going to resign. Oh, that yeah. somehow he'll do something that's impeachable. We don't know if he will or not. He might. But I think it's a danger for us to obsess about finding some sort of trap door for Donald Trump to fall into. We've got to just do the jobs that we're elected to do and Amen. push back as hard as no. we can Amen. and organize as a party to make sure we kick him out of office in 2020. And all the other stuff was going to happen. But if we continue to be distracted and hope that he's going right. you know, to you know, walk down this path that leads to this trap door, we're just wasting our energy. Or that Republicans are finally going to get up enough guts to impeach him. Or, They're not. I or, mean, no. Or that his base is finally going to turn against him. It's not well, going to happen. Of course, what we're seeing right now with the Republicans is, you know, all the issues that have come up, health care, we can see what they've done with that, uh, the budget, et cetera, et cetera. Taxes are their religion. Mm. And they are here. They have continued to work with him. They, have, they will not throw him under the bus. They will not step in his way until they get their religious, you know, uh, tax goal cut for, tax of cut for the wealthiest big of tax America. cuts for the for, wealthiest people in America. This is an obsession. And it's, 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 well, it's so, the thing that it, I think we miss sometimes. It is what has kept them on his side all this time because they know he is okay. their ticket to Good the point. big tax cut. All right, point. so, okay, you went, I went to get there, but you went there, right? So let's go to tax reform. You've seen this. They don't have a bill. We've seen this. They call it a framework or whatever it is, a couple of stuff sketched out on the napkins about all they've got. But Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan say this is all about tax relief for the middle class. Is it? The paraphrase I would use goes back to a great film, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> it's just a big lie. Yeah. They're standing there in front of us telling us that this is not going to help any wealthy Americans. And 80% of the benefit will go to the wealthiest Americans in this country. At least. At least, yeah. And we don't know because this is the other piece of it that's really lost. Just looking at the tax implications, it's clear that the vast majority of the benefit goes to the wealthiest 
1% and even the one-tenth of 1% are the huge winners in right. all of this. Yep. The 5,400 families that will no longer have to pay the, uh, estate, pay tax. the estate tax. 100 families in my state of Michigan. 100? 100. 100. In the entire state of Michigan? In the entire state okay, of Michigan. Right. And they probably all live in Gross Point? You know, I don't, you know they may. <laughs> they probably get together. Um, yeah. They probably have one of those potlucks, you know, <laughs> the, the, the 100. Michigan, the same country right. club. <laughs> but, the, the, but the thing that's lost is that there are other implications to this tax cut. One of two things will have to happen if it went through. Either we explode the deficit even further, between two and a half and seven trillion dollars passed on to the next generation. I'm, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a deficit hawk, but I think we have to be smart about all of this. I mean, a debt that is associated with an asset, like to fund infrastructure, is different than debt that right. is just associated with overspending in, in, uh, you know, in a budget year-over-year sense. But the real consequence will be no more Pell Grants. Forget about SNAP. Social Security will probably take a big hit. Uh, the, the, the essential floor of decency that we provide in this country to make sure that we don't ever go back to that day before, basically before the Roosevelt era, mm-hmm. where you could be as po- you could just be dirt poor and destitute, and no one will help you. We built this floor of decency over the decades. What, what this uh, tax bill would do is ensure that the resources that are available for that can't be there because they've been diverted to the wealthiest Americans. The budget implications of this tax deal will fall hard on the poorest Americans and will fall hard on people who are in the middle class trying to struggle to stay there because they're not going to be able to afford college for their kids. They're not going to have the certainty of a decent retirement because that will be put at risk. And so this is a a classic case of, of a return to the Gilded Age. And this is this is what they have been working toward. You just look, take a look to me at the at the basic fundamentals of this plan. It lowers the income tax rate for the wealthiest of Americans from thirty nine to thirty five percent, and raises the rate for the poorest of Americans from ten to twelve percent. Right. Now, right. right away, you say, "Wait a minute, why?" Right? What's doesn't that tell you a lot? Right? It says everything about it where they're coming everything. from. Yeah. And, of course, it also gets rid of the estate tax. You mentioned that. And gets rid of the alternative minimum tax, which the little that we know about Donald Trump's tax returns from that one, three pages, I think, of one year that the New York Times was able to get, right, showed that the alternative minimum tax cost him $31 million that year. Right. No wonder he wants to get. This is a, I think, this is a Donald Trump. Tax plan, and you know, and of course, the alternative minimum tax. We know what it's there for. It's to ensure that that everybody has to pay something. Yeah, yeah, right. So let's just—he wants to not have to pay the minimum. Exactly. He wants to pay less than right. what tax writers have determined to be the minimal contribution that a that a patriotic American citizen should make to support a civil society that everybody benefits from. Nope, not him. Yeah. Just to piggyback on, on a, a sentiment that Bill made earlier uh, this week with Tom Price leaving and all of these other cabinet members who were grifting by taking all these private planes. I mean, the, it, it trickles down from Donald Trump. I mean, this is the this is the king grifter and this whole tax plan that's going to save him and his family so much money 
that he's orchestrating for the entire country, it's ridiculous. That's yeah. what it's all about. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It is what it's all about. Yeah. So, Congressman, yesterday was a big day at the uh, Supreme Court and outside of the Supreme Court, uh, a former governor of California who has made redistricting uh, a big issue like you have um, uh, with his message about what the court ought to do, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I say it is time to say hasta la vista to gerrymandering. <laughs> oh, my God. And it is time to terminate gerrymandering. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hasta la vista, baby. You know, you I, gotta, like, you know what's so funny? I just completely forget that he was governor of yeah, California. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I try to. Uh, so I spoke at the court, but I, I didn't oh. use... <laughs> He didn't use tired old movie lines. Yeah, I talked about constitutional law and you know the were promise. You, you were of, at, at yeah, the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There were probably eight or ten of us that were over there. And, and yeah, uh, good. Well, I was so, one of the members that filed the amicus on this case. Um, so tell us about the case. This is Wisconsin, right? It's a Wisconsin case where the it is clear, as is the case in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, some other places, where the legislature bent, twisted manipulated, distorted district maps in order to achieve the majority that they seek. And it's the same thing that we've seen. But these are so clearly partisan gerrymandering. There is right? no question. Yeah. And and there's plenty <laughs> of acknowledgement by members of the state legislature of the intent to use the districting process to achieve a partisan majority. And so this is the question that occurs before the court. Because... Because they're not, no one is denying, or I shouldn't say nobody, but it is acknowledged generally that partisan advantage is not uh, uh, prohibited in the course of uh, the redistricting process, and that it's just the natural consequence mm -hmm. of the swing of the pendulum in states. Okay. And what our position is is, no, that's not right. If you, if, if. The use, the extreme use of partisan uh, uh, mapping diminishes the representational rights of an individual. It, it, it diminishes the equal protection that they are guaranteed under the Constitution, that that cannot stand. Well, isn't that the point that Justice Ginsburg made yesterday? I think Justice Sotomayor as well. Is The heart of this is the precious right to vote. Right. right? And some of these, by the way the lines are drawn, they are in effect taking the the, the, the power of the vote away. And, and there's no question. And it's not an, an abstraction. There are consequences. Uh, when, when we distort uh, the representation of the public in its legislative bodies, we distort public sentiment in a way that leads to results that are not consistent with what a majority yeah. would prefer. Uh, so, the, you know, when I, st when I spoke at the court um, the thing that I did is I pointed to the U.S. Capitol and I said, you know, there's a reason that we can't get a decent bipartisan bill to fix the problems we have in health care through that building. There's a reason that we can't get common sense gun safety legislation through that building. There's a reason that we can't adopt a budget. There's a, re you know, all the there's a reason we don't have a big infrastructure and jobs bill working its way through that those legislative bodies. And it's right. because in the House of Representatives, we have a distortion of the American political sentiment. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Michigan 
It's a 50-50 state. We've got five Democrats and nine Republicans. Ohio, a 50-50 state. They've got four Democrats and 12 Republicans. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, the same thing. Yeah. It's a distortion. And it emphasizes certain values and a certain ideology at the expense of the representational democratic rights of citizens who think they have a vote that matters, but whose vote really doesn't matter very much. So what did you learn from the oral arguments yesterday uh, in terms of the sentiment of the court? Well, I'm a little more optimistic. I was concerned, uh, you know, there was this Texas case, uh, your friend, you know, Lloyd Doggett, his case, mm-hmm. his, his um, um, district could have been affected mm-hmm. by it. And the court <laughs> took a position that was not um, encouraging on this issue of partisanship. But, you know, um, we'll see. Justice Kennedy, others asking the right questions. We'll see. You t- it's so difficult uh, every to time read tr- from oral arguments. Every time we try to read from oral arguments, you, you just get it wrong. Yeah. Because, but... But certainly, um, as Adam Liptak in the uh, New York Times reported this morning, that Justice Kennedy's questions were all directed to the Wisconsin people and not to the opposition to it, that he seemed to feel they had a pretty good case, but he was questioning and probing Wisconsin people. I would take that as a good sign. So what what would the court do? The court – so, well, let me ask a basic question. Yeah, okay. Like in, yeah, I've been through this in California, right, right? Where, yeah, the Democrats drew the lines one way, Republicans drew the lines the other way, but and you always expected that. But then they got so out of whack that California took it away from the legislature and gave it to a panel of right. former judges. So, can politicians be trusted to draw the lines? No, I mean, there's really? no uh, politicians right? yeah. should not be drawing these lines. Okay, huh. the problem is the court more than likely, and of course we, we all think we know how this works, they can't proscribe the, res- the, the, uh, the, the solution. Right, and they can't and, draw the line. Right, and right. So th- but this is why what's happening in the court is being mirrored by a lot of activity across the country, and we can't assume that the court's going to fix this problem. They may strike this Wisconsin uh, uh, map down and basically say, look, you can't do it this way, but that doesn't mean they're going to tell you how to do it. And, right. and so we need to have... I think an effort around uh, as as apolitical as as nonpartisan a process as can be created. Nothing is going to be pure, yeah, right? For sure. But the one thing we, we we I think can rest on is that the people who are running in the districts shouldn't be designing the districts themselves. There yeah. was an Arizona case which was upheld, which which held that so long as the legislature retains some authority over the process, could in fact overturn the maps, even with a supermajority, and doesn't essentially constitution, state constitutionally give all of the authority away, uh, yeah. then it doesn't violate the U.S. Constitution that says the states shall determine the, you know, the method. Right. I see. So yeah. if they determine there's this public entity, and then they create some sort of high standard to overturn the results of that right. commission's work, then I think we get where we need to go. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I hope for. That's what I hope we do in Michigan, for example. Right. Right, and a lot. So a lot really rides on this uh, on this uh, case in this, uh, before the Supreme Court. It does, yeah. it, and I think it, it's helpful that it, it's contributing to a public mm-hmm. understanding that gerrymandering is not some remnant of the 19th century. It's right. happening right now. Right. Uh, we had a friend in Peter last week, uh, David Daly. David Daly, uh, friend who wrote the book Rat Eft, you know, which is all oh, yeah. about. Yeah, I don't uh, understand, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying earlier. <laughs> <laughs> that there were certain words we can't use. Yeah, that's yeah. one of them. 
Uh, I, I do want to ask you about another topic you alluded to very briefly. I, the, the most powerful tweet that I saw yesterday about Las Vegas, uh, I don't even know the guy's name, and he said, you know, uh, three times in my lifetime I have seen the headline, the worst massacre in U.S. history. Yeah. Virginia Tech, Oof. the Pulse nightclub, and this. Vegas. And he said, and I am only 22. Oh, God. Good grief. Seen that headline three times. Isn't it just just chilling? It's chilling and it's depressing because we, we stood on the floor of the House of Representatives and I got sick to my stomach at another moment of silence, yeah. followed by a day, a week, a month, a year of silence from Congress. And it's, that's all if, you... if it were only a moment of silence, I could deal with it. Right. But it's a, so far it has been years of silence. This is the thing that... And that's like, all you're going to see from them, these guys, right? They're not going to do anything. Mitch, Mitch McConnell yesterday is saying it's just inappropriate yeah. to talk about that right now. Yeah. If not now, when, right? You know what? And look, it's inappropriate. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Look, we have to deal with the fact that we have jobs that we are sworn to, uphold, uh, to, to, uh, to do. And it's to deal with the big problems we face as a country. And we can't decide because there's something called the National Rifle Association that we can abdicate our, our obligations because we're afraid of them. These members of Congress that won't stand up to the National Rifle Association are cowards. They're cowards. And they, we, we can't beat around the bush. We can't, oh, yeah, yeah, this, oh, yeah, that, and on this hand. No, they're cowards. I'm, a, I'm looking on legislation right now that hopefully we're going to drop in the next couple of days to outlaw these bump stocks, mm-hmm. these, these yeah. mechanisms. Twelve that can, of this guy's guns yeah. out of uh, 23 in the, in the hotel room had bump stocks on them, and they're, they're, which makes them machine guns. Make terms and turns them into machine guns. They, and I, I, I heard Tom Cole uh, this morning. So maybe we can get some Republicans on that. But the one thing we can't do is throw our hands up again and say, you know, there's nothing we can do about this. Because it's, it's, it, with the Republicans, it's a game of whack-a-mole. If it's about guns, then it's the Constitution. Oh, they'll say, no, this is about mental health. Yeah, okay, maybe, maybe not, whatever. But you can't, on one hand, say that we're not going to do anything to deal with the proliferation of these really dangerous weapons that nobody uses for anything other than killing people. And we're actually going to undermine mental health services by eliminating that as an essential benefit under the Affordable Care Act. You know what? That's yeah. th- They're just speaking out of both sides of their mouths. And of course, you know, we've got this president now who's a, who is a pathological liar setting a standard that is so low that they can get away with this stuff. And at one time used to be for an assault weapons ban. I mean, Tom, Donald Trump has been, like on most issues, all over the place on this he, issue. He doesn't but have we any, know where he, he, he is now. No, he has really no core beliefs. He has words that come out of his mouth, not a lot of them. Uh, uh, I want to mention, you, you, uh, in Politico this morning, I saw uh, last year the NRA and the gun owners uh, of, of right. America gave— Which fu- is the organization, not gun yeah, owners generally. Right, exactly. They're totally different. Uh, gave a basic six six million dollars five million nine hundred thousand dollars to Republican candidates for Congress, a hundred and six thousand to Democrats. Wow! I mean, there's no doubt which is the party of the NRA no. here, right? They and that's gave, just scratching the surface in terms yeah. of what they do politically. Exactly. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Can you? Uh, uh, what rating do you get from the NRA? Oh, uh, big goose egg, great big zero. 
And you know what? I go I, deer I, hunting every year. I'm a I I grew up in Michigan. Yeah. Um, my dad took me deer hunting when I was you know I think I was probably nine or ten years old. Um, I love the. I'm outdoors. guessing you don't use a semi-automatic weapon when you go no, deer hunting. No, although some of my deer hunting friends suggest that I might be more successful if I had something like that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> well, for me, it, well, for me, it was duck hunting. You know, I remember. Yeah. I think my I forget 12th, 14th birthday, something. I got a double barrel, twenty gauge shotgun. Man, that was the biggest day of my life. Sure. Right. But what the hell? Well, that's what we we need to take back this argument that this is about hunting or about whether there is such thing as a second amendment. Look, I like all the amendments to the constitution. There was only one that I disagreed with, but they repealed that before I was born. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, Congressman, it's always good to see you. Yep. Thanks for your good work and good work on the, particularly on that Supreme Court yesterday. You brought them through here. I know the fact that you were out front. This is yeah, the Bill Press Show. Yeah, right. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. He goes all the way to Puerto Rico to say, hey, you dummies, you cost us too much money. Why didn't he just stay home and shut up? Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's a Wednesday. Wednesday, October 4. Yes, this is the Bill Press Show. It is good to be with you today. Coming to you live from our nation's capital and our studio on Capitol Hill, right in the heart of the action. Uh, a lot of talk on Capitol Hill down to Congress yesterday and also on Capitol Hill at the Supreme Court on the uh, dis on the subject of redistricting uh, and reapportionment, looking at the Wisconsin plan, which is clearly uh, the textbook case of how Republicans uh, re redrew the district lines to benefit the Republican Party only, and not necessarily the people of Wisconsin. We'll get into all of that and a lot more happening here uh, in our nation's capital with our good friend Jason Dick, who is the enterprise editor of Roll Call. Hello, Jason. Hi, Bill. Nice to see you. Peter Ogburn is back for the third day in a row. It's, uh, it is very nice to see <laughs> Peter. <laughs> it's nice to be out among the living, which is a marked improvement from about a month ago. I was going to say, I mean, I know you were worried about your weight, but that's a hell of a way to do a crash diet, Peter. Come I'm telling on. you, <laughs> I'm one more car major cardiac event from hitting my goal weight. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. So our job is to fatten him up for the next few weeks. Yeah. So we're working at it. Or if you build, feed him bourbon. Bill brought me bourbon in the hospital. There I'm we in go. The hospital stuck to a hospital bed, and Bill brings me bourbon. Well, it's, you know, it, it. It, it's a blood thinner. <laughs> it is a blood thinner. <laughs> yeah. But I put it in one of those bags, so it goes drip, drip, drip. Right. So it wasn't, it's just, oh, yeah. just put it in my IV. I, I don't even in, have to drink it. it. Everything yeah, in moderation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I'm still learning that. Into the news of the day with both feet, but first. 
Just a couple of other stories for you on this Wednesday morning. Hey, are you guys ready to rehash the 2016 election yet again? Yeah, of course. See yeah, it, Hillary, write another book. CNN is reporting uh, this morning that a number of Russian-linked Facebook ads oh. specifically targeted the states of Michigan and Wisconsin. Of course, you may remember that Donald Trump narrowly defeated Hillary Clinton in both of those states. These ads, as reported by CNN, contained, quote, divisive messages, including anti-Muslim sentiments. But this is the first report that indicates which U.S. regions were targeted by the Russians on Facebook. Wait. There will obviously be more, but this is pretty interesting. Where did they target again? It'd be Michigan and Wisconsin. Wow, if only Hillary Clinton had targeted them as hardly as the Russians had, yeah. but maybe she would be president. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. By the way, have you seen some of those ads? I mean, they... You know, they they were very very clever. You would not know that was the Kremlin. We've right? got. I mean, we we. I bet I bet some uh, Democrats and Republicans here in this country could put them to work for uh, writing ad copy. Sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> and they're still putting out ads. I mean, the other day someone shared a tweet uh, that they had actually le- accidentally left a geotag in that said it was tweeted from Russia. It was a it was a tweet about the anthem and trying to divide people. So, either way, the Russians are still at it. Hey, a new study has found that Get wealthy. Rid of the anthem. Wealthy white men with extreme political views are the most likely group to be happy. This is a sociologist analyzing responses to three surveys conducted between 2012 and 2016, looking at trends in marriage. They have found that people that are either extremely liberal or extremely conservative are happiest in their marriages. It also notes that people who attend a religious service one or more times per week were, were most likely to report that they were very happy, and oh. men were very happy. I was going to say, that sort of throws the curve on this newsroom. You had me until that. <laughs> you had, you it had can be the, nailed until that story. It can, be, it can be the church of the tune-in. Okay, fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> Bill, do you consider yourself to be extremely liberal, oh, and are you only, very happy only, in your marriage? Only Jamie would read a story like that, right? <laughs> Who is the only one here not married. <laughs> <laughs> And not wealthy and uh, pretty liberal, but, uh, you know. Doesn't go to church. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. All the news are coming up here in this quick break. We'll be right back. On TV and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. What the hell are you people doing? You cost us too much money. That was Donald Trump's message to the uh, people of Puerto Rico. The consoler in chief uh, down in Puerto Rico today It takes his turn in Las Vegas, and we can just shudder at what he might say out there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the program today, the Bill Press Show. On a Wednesday, October 4, so good to see you today, and thank you for joining us. We are coming to you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, coast to coast, of course, uh, on Free Speech TV nationwide as well, and out in the great Chicago area, on greater Chicago area on WCPT. Thanks so much for being there. Don't forget, you are part of the show, and uh, we want to hear from you about what you think about the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, and join our friend Jason Dick here from Roll Call uh, in studio with us, as well as Peter Ogburn. So, Jason, 
um, the president getting off the plane and his first words to the people of Puerto Rico. Here he is about how dare you cost us so much money. I hate to tell you, Puerto Rico, but you've thrown our budget a little out of whack. <laughs> it's like a it's, uh, it's whatever the the uh, uh, converse of the Bronx cheer is. You know, I mean, it, it's it's like the Bronx greeting, I guess, or the Bronx. I, I mean, it, I know he's from Queens, uh, yeah. you know, but it's a little it's a little weird. It's like I mean, if if you're in a car wreck and you and you get loaded into the ambulance, and the ambulance driver is saying like, "Hey, we're going to get you to the hospital," but just so you know. This is going to cost yeah. uh, some insurance company out there like a lot of money. You yeah, know? get a little out of whack. <laughs> I mean, this is not Donald Trump's money that we're spending. You know, in in Puerto Rico, this is the American taxpayers' money helping American citizens, and well, and it's it, it's just it's. I mean, I think well, that everybody, every newsroom, every person in the world just sort of said like, what? But this is on top of um, uh, criticizing them for not paying their bills to Wall Street. Uh, on top of having a so, broken- something that he didn't tell, uh, he didn't scold Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, for uh, uh, last year during the campaign. Uh, although they were in much yeah. worse dire straits. Thank uh, you. Uh, in regarding he, their municipal bonds, he also criticized them for having a broken down infrastructure, as if we don't in this in the mainland United States. Let's say, um, and of course he told the mayor, called, accused her of bad leadership. So it's one thing after another. Then he goes down there. He didn't accuse the people of Texas of costing us too much money, right? No, uh, nor in Florida, no, uh, right. nor in Louisiana. Um, and the, 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 you know, what could be different, <laughs> right, about All those that. states and mm, Puerto Rico? Let's look at <laughs> what the, it could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, and you know, the, the a lot of uh, um, sort of, uh, I, I would say. Circumspect, very circumspect. Democrats say, "Well, well let them alienate uh, people and let uh, Puerto Rico sink into the morass, and then they'll all move to Florida yeah. and vote against them in 2020." <laughs> I've seen some of that. I mean, where where are the Puerto Ricans going to go if they relocate? They're going to go to Florida, uh, right. Orlando. Yeah, yeah, sure. Specifically, or the I four corridor. Yeah, I learned that last night that yeah. Central Florida has become like Puerto Rico mainland. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the, that Orlando to Tampa, you know, mm-hmm. sort of like conduit. That's that is. That's a sort of a resettlement point. Good luck winning the presidency without Florida, right? If you're Donald Trump or, or any Republican. Also, I mean, it, on a on a very basic, you know, I mean, no, never mind the politics of it for just a second. I mean, we're all political people, sure. But just the the human decency part of it is is just sort of astonishing. I mean, to be that kind of, I mean, there is a. There's a bravado that comes with being somebody like from, you know, kind of from New York and you, you know, you're kind of a macho guy, backslapper, blah, 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 blah. But this is just like one of those times. It's like going into a funeral almost. And, and you know, it 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 just seemed very tone deaf and, and saying like it's it's really great that only, you know, 16 people died, thousands of people, died, hundreds hundreds of people died in that Katrina. That was a real catastrophe. Yeah, that was a real catastrophe. This isn't a real catastrophe. And, you know, it's just like, wow. I mean, you this see is see how just, much... I think what's in fact, if we can hear that, Jamie, here he is actually just because some people think we talk about this. And no, he could not have said something like that. He could not have been that dumb. Yes, he is. Here it is. 16 people certified, 16 people versus in the thousands. Uh, You can be very proud of all of your people, all of our people working together. 16 versus literally thousands of people. Isn't he really saying, I can be really proud that I'm so much better than George Bush? Because 18 people died on his watch and only 16 are mine, which today is 34 people 
the count will still go up. It's going to go up. Yeah. yeah. And 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 also the 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 whole thing. I mean, if if one if you would think any president, regardless of where they're from, how they won, what sort of like unconventional way they conduct themselves, would have learned. It would be not to say in the middle of a hurricane, heck of a job. Look at yeah. the heck of a job that we're doing. I mean, Bush really probably should have put that to bed, you know, to, to, to you know, save it on the self-congratulatory, you know, stuff when you're when people are suffering and, and, and dying. Uh, but I mean, it, it really is. I mean, at a certain point, I, I think I think Obama said this in his last press conference. Reality has a way of intruding upon you. And this I mean, who knows if this is a, an inflection point, but it seems like hurricanes seem to bring out these these sort of undeniable realities. Well, you know, it, it is, um, fairly or unfairly, natural disasters and personal tragedies like Vegas do are a test of presidential leadership. I mean, we remember George Bush with a bullhorn up at at nine uh, eleven. You know, Ronald Reagan with the when the Challenger exploded, right? Bill Clinton in Oklahoma City. Um, so, what we remember about Donald Trump is throwing paper towels in Puerto Rico. It, it, the imagery it, it, it is just yeah. clashes, right? Right. It is. It is a little. It's a little like it. 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 It's still embracing. You know, just for what. What will happen next? What is he going to say today, in Vegas? <laughs> I would say that would be the lasting legacy of Donald Trump. If we. If I wasn't a hundred percent sure that we're going to get something even more ridiculous tomorrow, you know what I mean? Like every single day, we've got something even weirder uh, from Donald Trump. Um. Yeah. I. I'm I'm I am speechless <laughs> at this point. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, what else can you say about it? Yeah. It's just kind of nuts. And it's it, it's worth pointing out again that um, it was not a good day yesterday for Puerto Rico. They're not going to have a good day for a long time. Right. I mean, five percent right. of the island now has electricity. Right. So this, as we talked earlier, this idea that he's blaming the media. For telling the Puerto Rico people of Puerto Rico that is worse off than they're not watching television in Puerto Rico. They don't have electricity. Right, ninety-five percent of the and only half of the island has drinking water. Back right, roads. They're no, they, they can't get the supplies. One, yeah, one of our reporters to actually parts had a, of the island. Yeah, one of our reporters had a scheduled interview with <clears> the governor of Puerto Rico uh, um, the, on Monday that we wanted to you know do as a preview for for roll call, and uh, he his, the cell tower went out. <laughs> so so we couldn't we couldn't actually talk to the governor of Puerto Rico, not just somebody who lives in you know downtown San Juan or something. I mean, like this is this is the most powerful people on the island, and they can't get basic services. Wow. Did you send the uh, uh, reporters down there, or did you we, have we people have not, there? No, we have not. The, 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 that, but that, uh, that I was, see you were going to. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were just we were calling from here from Washington. So. Right. Uh, so, Anyway, you know, pivoting to Las Vegas a little bit, one thing I, I was, you know, struck by a little bit yesterday was in the in the leadership's, you know, press conferences, both sides kind of went to their respective corners. Republicans talking about mental health, mm-hmm. Democrats talking about background checks. And one of the things that that, that uh, Paul Ryan left out when he talked about the mental health bill that they passed last year that was folded into a, a larger bill, the 21st Century Cures Act, you know, which, you know, among other things, created a mental health assistant secretary at HHS and some things like that. Some some, you know, good good things for for mental health. What the, what he didn't mention is that they also in February overturned an Obama era rule 
that allowed mentally, you know, that that, that made it diff- diff- more difficult for mentally disabled people to acquire guns. Uh, that that was left off of the list of of major actions uh, by by Congress on on guns, and it it just seems like that. I mean, it, we're we're as guilty of this, you know, sometimes in the media is is like sort of losing track of what happened in you know just even a week ago. February seems like a long time ago, but it's worth pointing that out. That no, it is. You know, I mean, the, and the silencer legislation. You know, I was the, just the, going to the, get to that. But the, on the mental health, it just contradicts what he was saying. First of all, mental health is you're, you're right. That's their escape hatch. They always go there, right? Just like they always go to a moment of silence. They're the two things you can count on, and that's all they'll do, right? Right. And yet, on, even on mental health, okay, sure, we don't want people who are mentally ill, known mentally ill, have men, going out and being able to buy a semi-assault weapon or any gun at all. But they themselves had just made it easier for that to happen. Right. And, and, and didn't even mention that yesterday. It, it, it is, I mean, it, it is sort of striking. And also, I, I don't think that, you know, the, I think we're going to see this play out a little bit differently. I mean, our, our, uh, our, our friend and colleague, Matt Laszlo, uh, talked to Pat Toomey yesterday, and 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 he's you know he asked Toomey, are you interested? This is the Republican senator from Pennsylvania. Are you interested in reviving your legislation on on universal background checks? And Toomey, without equivocation, said absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I mean, so this is this is not. Um, I mean, the leadership, obviously, they want to talk about tax reform. Boy, they, it doesn't matter if, if like, there's a meteorite heading toward, heading towards the earth. They want to talk about tax reform. Uh, and, and they're going to mark up their budget resolutions, and they're going to get this ball rolling. But, you know, when when people like Jimmy Kimmel, again, you know, is, is talking about this on late night, people wake up with the Vegas stuff. They're going to bed with the Vegas stuff. They're kind of reeling. Uh, nobody really wants to talk about tax reform. They want to talk about about, wow, this is happening again. To show you how um, clueless I think these people can be or the leadership can be, Mitch McConnell yesterday, uh, again, the classic defense uh, or, or for the uh, response on the part of the, the Republicans whenever there's a gun mass shooting, which is like every day. Here's Mitch McConnell yesterday. I think it's particularly inappropriate to politicize an event like this. Oh, it just yeah. happened within the last day and a half. It's entirely premature to be discussing about legislative solutions, if any. Oh, so inappropriate, right? Clutching, so insensitive. What, what's amazing about this, too, is that on Monday, Such during a- during his leadership remarks, you know, on, on, on Monday in the, mm-hmm. in the afternoon, I mean, you actually saw some... Truly, I, I think genuine emotion. I mean, for, coming from Mitch McConnell talking about this, uh, and 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 then to just kind of revert back to the standard, you know, you know, go up in front of the press and and give the standard answer that everybody's waiting for, uh, that that's inappropriate. And I, I mean, on a very broad level, aside from just the the policy or politics or how you may lean or not, this the Congress represents the people of the United States. If if a congressman wants to talk about this because he feels like it's in the interest of his district or the people he represents. That is his or her right and, and duty, really, as as a member yeah, of Congress. Yeah. The, these people represent the American public. The American public is obviously <laughs> wants to talk about this. Some people want to talk about policy solutions. Some people want to grieve. Some people want, there's a there's a wide variety. But just sort of universally shutting it down and saying like this isn't the time to talk about actual things we can do is. I mean, it, it's it's sort of brushing aside a wide swath of the American public. There are also some in s- cases where it's so outrageous 
that you cannot avoid it. And it seems to me when this guy has 42 guns, right, most of them semi-automatic rifles, 12 of them with these bumps to turn them into machine guns, and he's got 23 of them in his hotel room, you, you have to, and plus a mountain of ammunition, you've got to say, is this really what the Second Amendment is all about? I, I'm reminded of the, the Onion headline from uh, 2014, which says, no way to prevent this, says only nation where this regularly happens. <laughs> and, and and again, that's from that's from over three years ago. And like, yeah. Since that time, we have had two oh. more of the most deadliest of the deadliest shootings in American history happen: the Pulse nightclub uh, last year, and then this uh, in Las Vegas. A- and like, we haven't seen any movement, no. like at all. Movement, no. no, like nothing, no nothing. Right. Well, actually, we do. We have made it easier for mentally disabled people to get. Okay, I should, I should, I should, I should have been my comments. <laughs> we have had some movement in the that's wrong my, direction. That's, that's the, my data <laughs> point I wanted to bring in <laughs> today. You. I'm going to keep hitting okay. it. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, since that bill, right, the, the 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 bill now, which has been twice delayed, is the silencer bill. Right. Right. Which um, it's all about hunters' hearing. You know, it, it, it's, yeah. it's it's to protect right. the hearing for for hunters. It would also make it easier to uh, buy armor-piercing bullets. Yes, <laughs> and to carry uh, guns and, across and, state lines. Right, right. So, so this was scheduled. Why? This was scheduled Why? for a vote. Scheduled for a vote the day of the shooting uh, at the ball field in Alexandria, where where uh, Whip Steve Scalise was. You were here that day, Jason. Uh, yes, that's, that's right. That that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So they had to delay the vote that day. It was a little but a little insensitive then to vote on. So it was scheduled for yesterday too for a hearing, uh, for a vote. And it just sort of, you know, went away. It was it just sort of disappeared, you know. And and Paul Ryan now says there are no plans to bring that bill up, but it doesn't mean they're dropping it. No. Right? Yeah. They'll I mean, try to slip it through. Yeah, it's it's sort of a yet, you know, sort sort of thing. And I mean, granted, it, it's unclear whether this could even. You know, even the the Senate would go even nearer. You know, legislation like this, but it does. You know, it it just it seems like this is where the incongruity comes in. <laughs> you know, of of just not being able to let some of these things go. And I, you know, I was struck by the, you know, when you're sort of like listing all this stuff, the forty two guns and you know all these bump stocks and the ammunition and so forth. Just think about the sheer logistics. I mean, you know, like, I mean, Peter, when you when you Getting travel in. on a plane with your kids, like how how difficult is that just to get, just yeah. to get everybody's luggage, right? You know, right, like, and right, and, right. and that's like ten percent of the of the luggage that this guy like trucked into the Mandalay Bay, um, you know, it's hotel, and it, it, it's just sort of staggering that. Plus you the know, cameras that he set up right. yeah. uh, in the hallway, in the in the room at the door and everything right. to be able to track where the law right. enforcement was coming through. I mean, this I th- guy was a master planner. Right. And Diabolical I th- I th- right. master I th- planner. I feel like, yeah, I still owe, you know, like if I eat a candy bar in some of these hotels, mm-hmm. you know, they will track you to the ends oh, yeah. of the earth. <laughs> but, but this guy was setting up a sniper's den. Um, in a in you know one of the nicest and most secure one of the most popular places. hotels in Vegas one of the more secure places yeah. uh, in in, uh, in in Las Vegas it's it's a little chilling yeah indeed um, so but it was good to see I mean I thought I think you're right there may be may 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 be some bipartisan effort here for Joe Manchin and a Pat Toomey and 
Um, and you know, not just to Chris Murphy, although I'm not taking anything away from right. him, but he's been there really solid. Maybe they can get some action. Maybe there'll be enough public outrage. Here's the problem. Um, what's his name? Stephen Paddock, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Tom Friedman makes this morning, if only he had been a Muslim, we'd see some action. Uh, and uh, it's something that even before Friedman made the point, Jimmy Kimmel made uh, on his show. That, Did he? You know, he's, yeah. He, he made, you know, Kimmel, this this hits very hard, you know, because he's from Vegas. From yeah. Vegas. Uh, and and said, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not trying to <laughs> elevate Jimmy Kimmel to the point of no, political but saint, is, but he's he's, you know, he's risen I, to I, the yeah, he's tapped into right. something. He, he pointed yeah, into something. He, he pointed out that you know people say that we can't do anything about this, but you know, he, and he very you know in a, in his good comic timing said, you know, anytime somebody with a beard attacks us. We pass laws. We make it more difficult to travel. We have to pass right. through another layer of security in airports. I mean that, and that happens quickly. Yes, that happens very. Oh yeah, quickly. they would have had. There would be congressional hearings today, if not yesterday, all about how did this Muslim get these guns? How did he get to Las Vegas? What kind of a travel ban? You know what? What extra measures were going to? They would be all over it, and Donald Trump would be tweeting the hell out of it. I told you so, right? Instead, what Donald Trump said about Las Vegas, he said, quote, what happened is, in many ways, a miracle, a miracle. I don't I'm not a religious man. (laughs) I don't know what he thinks a miracle looks like, but this ain't it. Well, he 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 amended his comments. He tweeted yesterday to sort of clarify because he was getting a lot of grief for it. He said on Twitter uh, it is a, quote, miracle how fast the Las Vegas yeah. Metropolitan Police were able to find the demented shooter and stop him from even more killing. But, uh, that's not what happened. I mean, it's not like the police found him and stopped him. The crowd dispersed, and the guy had no more targets, and the police found him, like, 74 minutes after the shooting started, which, like, look, I get that it's a it's a, it's a a tough situation to find the guy. I'm not giving the police department any grief, but let's not say that this was an was act not, of heroism it, that stopped this guy from doing it. He had right. free reign it to was, shoot whoever he wanted until the crowd realized what was happening and they got away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, not being critical of the police department, it was no. an impossible situation. Sure. Because he was way up there. They didn't know what floor. Yeah. They couldn't get to him, the whole thing. But it was not an immediate stepping in and stopping him in the act of shooting. It no, sure as hell no. wasn't a miracle. No. But you know what the miracle comment to me was? It's it's the echo of what he said in Puerto Rico about, hey, only 16 died, you know, yeah. in, in Vegas. Only 59 died. Right? Only the worst shooting in American history happened. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it, is, it is kind of, I don't know. I mean, I I don't want to get into you know trouble here, but it it, it just go ahead. <laughs> it just seems we get I in mean, trouble every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just us. Uh, it, I mean, yeah. it, it it does seem though that like the it, it's hard to imagine another president saying this. I mean, it's hard to oh, imagine. Man. It's hard to imagine. Like say say if John McCain was president, you know, and and no, you know no. somebody who saw combat and was tortured for six years, you know, as a prisoner of war and so forth. It's really hard for for to imagine him. Saying something like that, it's really difficult to imagine Mitt Romney saying something like this. I mean, like go through the list of like, you know, r- recent Republicans who could have been president. It's hard to imagine. I mean, anybody, any of the seventeen other people he be- he beat in the, in the Republican primary saying this. Uh, even some of the weakest, you know, like candidates th- there, or the or some of the most you know clueless ones uh, in in the Republican primary. But you know, you can't. I mean, Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz, Scott Walker. Ben Carson, like Rand Paul, like nobody would say 
things like that. It's you know? nonsensical for anybody else to say it, but for Trump. I, I want to go a step further. Uh, we've been there nine months now. It's hard for me still to imagine that he's president of the United States. I mean, seriously. I mean, the guy is so, uh, you know, like out of control, outrageous, the things that he says and, 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 the, and, the, and, the, and the tweets, you know, nonstop, right? Um, and, but I don't know. Mm. We're stuck with it for how long, Jason? Uh, that That's a, a, <laughs> a, a good question. I really, I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine it, you know, going on much longer, but I also cannot imagine any kind of impeachment proceedings starting under Republican control. Um, I, I keep mean, telling it, all my friends, stop this pipe dream about impeachment. Right. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And stop yeah. this pipe dream about he's going to get tired of the job and retire. Right. Are you kidding? He is in his glory, right? right? He's got all this attention, you know. He's 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 relevant, and he's making all this yeah. money, making yeah. more money he ever made, probably because you know of his I, ho- from his hotels and I'm, everything. I'm curious to see where when the stop uh, at the at the Trump uh, hotel in Vegas will be, or at, at what point, at what point will he if if he goes, you know, I mean, because there was this thing well, of you it's know a he, totally he was, other end of the strip, of course. It's not that far away. It's about yeah, a, it's no, about it, a mile. Mandalay Bay, away. Mandalay yeah. Bay's down at this end. Mandalay and the Trump Bay's, Tower is yeah. way, way up right. at that. For it's, us, it's, it's, it's a up, hike. For it's up by there. Presidential it, motorcade. He'll right. get there. It's up there by Circus Circus. He'll get yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. He'll get there. I know right where it is. Right. Yeah. He'll get there. Um, yeah, and he doesn't have to. Yeah, he doesn't have to sit in traffic. This would know, have never for, happened for this. This would have never happened at the Trump Hotel. That's going to be the statement he makes. This would have never happened at my hotel. You know what's interesting about the Trump Tower in 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 Vegas? No casino. Exactly. Why? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because the gaming co- commission uh, did not did not yeah. sign off on the license application. Would not give Donald Trump a license for for whatever reason. Well, <laughs> um, I'd love to speculate on what that reason could be. <laughs> uh, and but and you know the, the uh, it's the only hotel. I, I I say that without checking every single one, but I've been to Vegas a lot. I'll be there tomorrow um, again. Uh, it. It's the only one that I know of, certainly, that does not have a casino. I it's it's hard to find a place. It's hard yeah, to find a, a couple hard, now. There it's hard to find now. a convenience store in Vegas. Exactly. It's hard to find a gas station. Where you can't like put you know. doesn't have slot You get off the plane at McCarran and you know you got a slot machine right there. First thing you see when you get off a plane in Las Vegas are the slot machines right in the waiting area. It's his. And you know, I I, I love. You they know, don't have I, a red carpet room in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've got they've got the craps table. <laughs> yeah, it, it is it is pretty phenomenal. Uh, I mean, like for as much as you know, as as weird a place as Vegas is, that's that's one of those like even weirder like <laughs> statements. You know that that Vegas is the one place that you know Trump couldn't get a casino approved. Mm-hmm. I think it says a lot about what they know about what happened in Atlantic City, and maybe. Some of the people he was he was doing business with in Atlantic City, um, b- because um, I mean I'm not saying Vegas is still Sin City, but they have really cracked down on certain elements that it, we associated it, with it, gambling. Yeah, it is a different place than than my grandfather went to work at it when he went into the work to the Sands uh, in the, in the 1960s. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> a, 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 a story for another time. But yes, it is a different place than 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 that. Uh, and it is it is corporatized and and they're 
they're well aware that the eyes of the nation go there to to play in in one way or another, whether they're kids or whether they're you know kind of perverts. I mean, everybody's everybody's welcome, and it it just has to be safe. Right. And right now, it's not safe. So I just want you to know, I'm going there as a kid, not as a pervert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> having having been put in one category or the other, I thought I'd better I thought I'd better make it clear. Uh, I just marked that tape. <laughs> yeah, save, save that, please. <laughs> the hat that I am wearing when I go there. <laughs> <laughs> on a Wednesday, October 4. What are you doing? Can you hang around for a little bit longer? Sure. Yeah. Sure. All right. Good. Absolutely. So we need, because we got a lot more to talk about here on the Bill Press Show this Wednesday. Don't forget, you are part of the show. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. We'll be right back. We're saying enough to the evasion and the euphemisms. They can take those euphemisms and stuff them. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. You got it on a Wednesday, October 4, wrapping up here on this beautiful Wednesday in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And so good to see you today. We are coming to you live from Capitol Hill, our studio, just down the street from the United States Supreme Court, where was a big hearing yesterday on reapportionment, redistricting, and uh, the court indicating it has some real questions about letting politicians continue to draw these lines. It has a big impact, uh, of course, on not just on in the state legislatures, but in the United States Congress as well, and all efforts to pass any legislation at all. Uh, we'll get to, uh, to all the news of the day, where today we're brought to you by the International Association of Iron Workers. Those good men and women of the Iron Workers Union under President Eric Dean they're building our communities today and ready to rebuild America's infrastructure tomorrow. You bet. Check out the website at ironworkers.org. From Roll Call Enterprise Editor Jason Dick here uh, in studio with us, as well as uh, Peter Ogburn. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, so, Jason, Alabama. Alabama. Joe Biden went down to Alabama to yesterday. To the Yellowhammer State. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it is? I think it's that. I think it's the Yellowhammer State. I think that's really? what it's I've called. Really? I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's, it's one of those weird nicknames. Like, North Dakota is the Peace Garden State, you know? Whoa. Yeah. Oh, how about that? Learn. You know, that's what I love about this show. Learn something <laughs> every single show. All right. Uh, we better double check the Yellowhammer State <laughs> yeah. before we say it too long. No, I, I think but, that's but, right, because that's in yeah. the big Alabama football right. uh, yeah. rally songs. So yeah. That, that makes but sense. But just, yeah, put it into but, your Google machine, you know. And, so, right. Yellowhammer <laughs> State is, in fact, here's, Alabama. Here's Look my point. Everybody's talking, Roy Moore, Roy Moore, Roy Moore, Roy Moore. Even my interview from back in 2005 with Roy Moore, Roy Moore pops up. But nobody was talking about Doug Jones, the Democratic candidate, until Joe Biden goes down there yesterday and actually campaigns for him. Right. Most of the Democrats are just sort of said, who? Doug who? Doug who, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, uh, this, who, who Doug? D- Doug <laughs> who? Uh, th- this, uh, he, if you were... If you were planning, you know, like trying to find like a credible candidate, trying to find somebody who would have like some sort of ghost of a chance to as a Democrat to win in Alabama statewide, you'd look at somebody like Doug Jones. He's a former U.S. attorney. You know, he he, uh, 
prosecuted the bombers, the 16th Street Baptist Church. Uh, you know, this, this sort of exercise, this ghost uh, that that hangs heavy over over oh. Alabama. Uh, you know, I, I went down there a couple of years ago for the 50th anniversary of the the Selma March, and I I, I went into Birmingham, and it's striking how much around the Civil Rights Institute Museum and the 16th Street Baptist Church and and I've the, been there, and, been and, there. yeah how how much they're like this is our heritage you yeah. know we're yeah. going to show you know cast iron statues of of water cannons shooting people yeah. and and we're going to have like you know the the four poor little girls a statue there uh mm-hmm. you know and and it, it's it is it is something that Alabama you know I I I dare say they they kind of grapple with. I mean, and yeah. it's not something that's hidden. Anyway, Doug Jones, you know, is a, is a part of that. And, and he's also, uh, he is not a, he's not what we, in the, in, in past times we would have called a yellow dog Democrat or a bull weevil Democrat. Uh, you know, he is, he is a relatively, he has relatively progressive views, uh, does not shy away from them. Uh, he's, a, a abortion, pro-abortion rights. Uh, but he, he is, uh, you know, a, a, the sort of person who is not, you know, he he doesn't fit into the stereotypes of coastal elite, you know, uh, Brooklyn beer swilling hipster Democratic candidates. I mean, this is a person who could possibly get a pretty good uh, thing going. And Joe Biden has known him for years. Uh, of course, he gave us a, a great line. It's it's always it always. I mean, there's always some sort of Joe Biden moment, right? You know, when, when <laughs> yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Do it for Alabama, which is just, <laughs> hey, sure, <laughs> hey, whatever. Uh, man. You know, and and uh, but you know, this is this is a type of thing that Democrats have. They have to compete in places like this Absolutely. if they truly want to be a national party. And you know, it, it is interesting to see that the grassroots burned a little bit by the the loss in in Georgia's special election when they got really excited about John Ossoff and, and ended up losing. Yeah. Uh, in that, and Karen Karen Hendel won that uh, that seat for Tom Price, uh, which who probably thought, why would I? Why should I have left the house? You know? right, right at this point. Uh, at, at this point, uh, can I have my seat back? Uh, and but you know, the, but you know, Doug Jones is talking to Daily Coast. Uh, he's talking to some of the people who are you know can raise some money for him. He's raised a ton of money just in the last week or so. Joe Trippi, you know Howard Dean's old guy yeah. campaign is, is is doing strategy. So. This is one of those things where even you know the the, the I, I I find it funny that sometimes you hear like political democratic political strategists say like well we don't you know we don't I don't know if we can really compete in there it's like well but you have to you have to th- people have to yeah. think that you're going to compete I yeah. mean like when when we know, you know, know. like yeah. the reason D Day worked is because Hitler thought we were going in somewhere else right I think the hope down there is it sort of reminds me of um, uh, Brexit in the sense that so the Brits. They voted to get out of uh, the EU, and then the majority of them said, boy, if we could only do that vote again, we'd change our mind. Well, Republicans have a chance to change their mind here now in the uh, general election. There's one other um, issue yesterday that uh, was up in front of the uh, Supreme Court, um, was redistricting, and there was an unusual visitor down in front of the Supreme Court, uh, former governor of California, so uh, I say it is time to say hasta la vista to gerrymandering. <laughs> and it is time to terminate gerrymandering. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you take away his movie lines, no, if, you, if you take away his, his bad movie lines, like <laughs> what would he be? That's all he has. Uh, uh, you know, no. it's it, uh, Arnold. I mean, uh, it, it, it's, I mean, 
here here's yeah. the thing that's kind of amazing. I mean, like being from Arizona, I have a soft spot for independent redistricting com- commissions. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. that's a that's a wonky. Uh, you know, a wonky thing, but like they 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 seem to work. You know, in in general, yeah. this is Ar- this was Arnold's big. Sorry, Governor Schwarzenegger's. That's right, please uh, right. give him, please give him the, the <laughs> Governor Schwarzenegger's possibly lasting legacy in in California as governor <laughs> that he you know made sure that right. the state did the re- did redistricting differently. Um, some some people will point out, well, it's not like you ended up with a bunch of moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans in, in California. You just ended up with more Democrats. So what's the what's the motivation for the other side to do that? And I I would say that you know if if you do it correctly, I mean on a smaller scale in Arizona, uh, they have an independent registering commission. Uh, Arizona has a reputation as being a very conservative place. You have five Republicans, four Democrats in the congressional delegation. Most of the, you know, a couple of Democrats are fairly moderate. A couple of them are liberal, um, and 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 you have a, a spectrum of people represented in those nine congressional yeah. districts, which is kind of what you want in Congress. You want a spectrum of people. You want some liberals. You want some conservatives. You want some people in the center. So this, you know, if if people think about gerrymandering differently because of Arnold and some corny lines, yeah. I, you know, that's that's one way of engaging. Jason Dick with us, of course, from uh, Roll Call, and we are pleased to welcome around the table here uh, a very good friend and a new face in Washington, D.C., but not a new face to you nationwide. Nina Turner, former state senator from Ohio, uh, the probably the leading spokesperson for Bernie Sanders in the 2016 presidential election, be, other than the senator himself, and the new president of Our Revolution, Nina, great to see you. Great to see you too. Who's Bill. moved all the way to Washington to lead this fight, lead this Welcome to the swamp. Yeah, yeah, so welcome say, to the swamp. swamp. That's my brother reminds me every day I'm in the swamp. <laughs> it's so good to have you here. And particularly today, you had a big day yesterday oh with our God. revolution. Oh, yeah. about Alabama. Yes. We were just talking Randall about Alabama. Woodfin, yes, baby. Ma'am. Oh my God. I am so excited. Everybody is excited, you know. So this is Birmingham. This is Birmingham, And you, Alabama. last time I saw you, yeah, last week, the next day, you were on your way. On oh, my to... way back. That was my yeah. second oh, trip. Oh, I see. Right, yeah. Our revolution made thousands of calls, over 11,000 text messages into Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama. And guess what? I went door to door with Randall Woodfin just this past Saturday. He was running door for to door. mayor, mayor. Right? Beat a beat an incumbent. He beat the incumbent coming out of the primary, and baby, he beat the incumbent last night, which really shows that this progressive movement is catching steam even in the South. And we got to give a, a special shout out to Senator Bernie Sanders as well, who mm-hmm. also endorsed him. Randall Woodfin is really going to turn that city around. We are so proud of him, and not just what it represents for Beham, but also what his win in the South represents for this country as a whole. Yeah, I mean, to you wouldn't think that the movement would start in yes. right? him. I never heard Beham. that before. Beham. Yes, I have a lot of family in Birmingham. I've spent a lot of time in Birmingham. I was there just a couple months ago, and Beham. and there was there was some real fire for Randall Woodfin. And yeah. this was early August when I was there, and uh-huh. I thought to myself, you know, the incumbent was fairly well liked, but like Randall Woodfin, I mean, there was something there. It was. There was something there. They that the people of Birmingham wanted more. And they what? wanted different. And he ran a people driven yeah. I mean, his whole campaign, his whole demeanor, everything he talked about was the community. It was about the people. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about another office. It was really about 
the fact that people in Birmingham deserve better. And what were the issues? What were they? What was he talking about? He Certainly, he was concerned about vacant and abandoned, dilapidated properties in and around Birmingham. Which there Just are a lot of. A lot. I yeah, mean, even more when than we you think. yeah, I mean, really, and when we went door to door, you could see, you know, beautiful homes, and then in the middle is a dilapidated home. Just the decay, the neglect mm-hmm. of the education system, and the feeling that. The the bail administration had just took its eye off of everyday people in that city, and he wanted to restore that. He ran on, we deserve better. We can get better. We can have better. And I'm just a symbol of that. I'm just one among many. It's going to take all of us. So just so proud of Randall Wolf. And I got to tell you, Bill, I was out there knocking them doors, climbing them heels. Okay, a sister <laughs> wasn't just a pretty face. I was out there getting the work People in. don't realize how mountainous Birmingham yes. is. Like Bir- Birmingham is essentially built into the side of a mountain. Yes. It is not an easy city no, to walk around. It was a lot. I got, <laughs> working. Yeah, I got my steps in around. and yeah. everything. Good for you. Our revolution <laughs> on the job. Yes. What, yeah. One of the things I think this brings up, too, is just that the, you know, people keep on talking. They always talk about money with politics. Yeah. And and the thing that is has been proven by Trump proved it. <laughs> Roy Moore proved it is that yeah. you it is not really about money. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a sort of a ticket to entry. Yeah. But yeah. by getting people excited and getting people involved Passion. and and, and yeah. Igniting like where like what motivates them, that's that's the kind of thing that it, like gets people to vote. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. contact, and feeling it, that they're not ignored. Right, it, it comes from the heart first before it goes to the head. And Bill, I do want to give a shout out to Randall Woodfin's mother, uh, Miss Miss Woodfin. She was really out there working for her son, and there was a certain demographic that folks of 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 more seasoned African-American women mm-hmm. who people really assume were just going to go all the way for the former mayor, I'm glad to say, yeah. uh, Bill. <laughs> but his mother was very instrumental in really turning that tide. And oh. a lot of folks really saw Randall with an older generation, African-Americans, as their son or their oh. grandson. Yeah. You know, that it really mm-hmm. is about the future and the way that he was able to merge the generations together, both millennial generation, Generation X, and baby boomers, that his candidacy was really about all of us. It was just a stunning win. A st- I'm just so proud of him. But you know what's great is that our revolution has been able to, tar- to find and to target and to support these candidates for mayor, for yes. school board, for city council, for state legislature, mm-hmm. you know, and and for too long, all the Democratic Party has thought about was Congress, maybe, and then Senate, you That's know, right. or White House. That's right. You know, and there's no farm ignoring no. the farm, no, no, yeah. no. and no. building the base, and yeah. this is great. So you had another win in Albuquerque last night. Yes, I'm, and I must confess, yes, I'm, I'm <laughs> yes, Tim, we had many Tim Keller wins right. yeah. last night, Ran, won the runoff last night, so we're very excited about that. We're going to have Paul Feeney next Next week. So we're on the roll at our revolution. And Bill, to your point about the South and these local races, you know, Randall Woodfin's race is similar to Lumumba in Jackson, Mississippi, another southern state. You have another young African-American running as a progressive, unabashed, progressive talking about the needs of the people in their city, we are seeing a turnabout, and that is happening one local election at a time. And you're right, Democrats have lost so much ground in this country primarily because they ignore state legislatures and governor's mansions and also local elections. But they are important for the future of this country, not just a political party, but electing the kind of leaders who understand that that power that they just won is really the power of the people, and can they leverage it to lift the everyday people in their respective cities? Well, you can speak to that. 
that as a former state senator from Ohio. From Ohio, yes. Uh, we can speak to that with a former state senator from Illinois. Yes. Who kind of went a long way. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and one, one thing, you know, to remember, too, about like in, in 2008, there were I mean, granted, like Obama had the the luxury of being able to expand the map. Mm-hmm. But they were talking about Mississippi like as a as a real reach, but not an unreachable goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when he and he ran there and, you know, they, they were able to throw some money in, in Mississippi, just like they were able to throw some money in Arizona because they were already ahead in the places that they knew were going to give them the margin of victory in the Electoral College. But this is not, I mean, with a, the, nothing is really unreachable. And and the thing that, you know, again, getting back to that, you know, the the Alabama Senate race, Mm -hmm. you know, Trippy, you know, who who knows Dean, who knows Howard Dean and, and helped run Howard Dean's campaign. I mean, when, Dean's lasting legacy as a as a DNC chairman is that he said, I'm going to talk to the people in Alaska. I'm going to talk to the Democrats in Nome, Alaska, and I'm going to talk to the Democrats in in Key West. I mean, like we're, yeah. we're going to get like this entire country involved. And, and some of these, you know, chairman, you know, some of these state chairmen had had never been talked to by, right. by the national party apparatus. I mean, they felt completely neglected and they were demoralized. Mm-hmm. And like, lo and behold, in 2006, Democrats <laughs> retake, you know, the, the Senate and House, um, you know, and, and won in places they didn't think that they could win. Uh, you know, and, and it seems like that is that that sort well, of strategy like just went away kind of quickly mm-hmm. in the in the overall like that that political strategy. Well, Republicans get it. Republicans get that they yeah, that they, sure. they need to talk to people in That's New York right. and California. But Howard they, Dean's fifty state strategy is back, isn't it? I'm hoping so. Yeah, I mean, that's right. right. You know, Not we, here yet, but yeah. I mean, people, I think, recognize yes. how critical it was, how important it was, and how we do have to get back to that. We do, and I, I thank Governor Dean for his leadership on that. We can't leave a state behind. You know, I often say never leave a sister or a brother behind. There is no state that is too small or too big for us to interface on a regular basis. You know, I was talking to some activists in Tennessee who feel very much that they are left behind just because it's Tennessee. You know, and in Alabama and places like that, we should see no territory. There is always, I agree with you, Senator, there is always an opportunity to win people over. But you got to be there and you got to talk to them. And not just when it's time for an election, but talk to them all the time. One of the things I say across this country, and I've been saying since I ran for Secretary, you know, I ran for Secretary of State in Ohio. But there really is no such thing as an off-year election. Every single election year builds on the next, and every single election year is important. And we have to continue to say that to the American people, that it's not just about a great president or a great Congress. We need great governors. We need great members of the legislature. We need great mayors and city council people and township trustees. We need all of that to create a progressive America. It it is so unfortunate how lazy we got as Democrats. I think collectively over over the presidency of Barack Obama, we had the power power in the House and the Senate when he when he became president. And we just kind of said, well, you know, our work is done here. Right. 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 Like, you know, I, I, I remember we've had person after person after person who came on the show and said, like, well, Republicans can try and repeal Obamacare, which they did 50 something times under Barack Obama. But, you know, Barack <laughs> Obama will always veto it. Well, now. Yeah. You know, we don't have that luxury, and we got to really get into a position where we're ready to fight for everything. You never really have the luxury, right? Exactly. Right. We exactly. we got we lullaby. We were so we celebrated and actually, you know, the historic election of President Obama. Sure. But we didn't continue to build mm-hmm. right on that. We just celebrated. It's it's. I mean, like ma- maintaining a political system or a party apparatus or 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 things like that. It's, it's not that 
not really that different than like just maintaining your house. I mean, mm. if, if you know, when, you know, Bill, you and I live on Capitol Hill. We live in beautiful brick, you know, you know, places with lots of books and so forth. And it just seems like if we turn our heads, I mean, there's a leak <laughs> or there's yeah. a window that needs to be replaced. Or and, and if we if you ignore that, it just gets worse and worse and worse in a hurry. Right. If you you I mean, this is the basic maintenance like of of maintaining, right. you know, a, a political I mean, and, and you should you should believe in that, like regardless of your political affiliation. That's that it's, right. it's never just over, you know. If you, if you, if you win, and and the thing that I think this this particular administration, White House, is is in danger of of they're in danger of losing contact with people who voted for them and also the people that they're serving because they're not even doing the basic job of staffing the government mm-hmm. and the administration. It's difficult to to deal with like the, the the nuts and bolts of government if you can't get people to serve if you can't get you know people to raise their hand and say yes I want to serve as the you know assistant deputy secretary of HHS or something like that that's where yeah. that's where you win people is is at that level right. as, as you're saying service yeah Jason Dick with us from Roll Call and Nina Turner from Our Revolution you too uh, should be part of this progressive movement no better way to do it than to go to ourrevolution.com uh, that's a website oh, right Our, yes. ourrevolution.com and sign up uh, for, and you can find out all the battles in your state and the candidates in your state. I mean, because you're you're active all over the country. All over, right? We, we have almost 500 affiliates right now. We're in every single state except for North Dakota. North Dakota, we are coming <laughs> for you, baby, all over. And we have seven affiliates in in other countries. So uh, when wow. I was uh, w- yeah. in other countries, yeah. When I was yeah. with you the other night uh, at the, the reception here to welcome you to Washington, uh, you and Larry Cohen, who's the chairman, yes. another good friend of ours, former uh, president of CWA Communication ex- Workers, Communication of Workers, yes, indeed. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> But so the whole concept of the way you're building an organization is groups in uh, not just statewide. Some are statewide, but yes. uh, a city, That's Our it. Revolution, right? That's Tell right. us about that. We How had you our, our Revolution Birmingham. I want to give a shout out to them, which was formed through the candidacy of Randall Woodfin. Yeah. So as we travel this country and help candidates, we're asking our candidates to also help us build affiliates in their respective cities and counties. And that's what a real grassroots movement is. And what's so about. great about that is that people then have a local pride. Yes. Right? And, and and they're fighting for issues important to their local community. So it's not, you know, they're trying to keep in touch with some distant headquarters in Washington, D.C. and getting orders from headquarters, you know, all that's the time. Right. No, it's, it's it, it is homegrown. That's it. And that, w- that is what will sustain people and keep them motivated because we all know the government closest to the people is the government that serves the best. And one of the beautiful things about our process is that 99% of those endorsements that we make are generated from nominations that come from those grassroots organizations. So how about this, a novel idea that the people actually running for office would have to talk to their constituents. This forces anybody that hmm. wants the endorsement of our revolution <laughs> to actually talk to the people that hmm. they're going to represent. That is true power, baby. Uh, you know, yeah, and it is just the opposite of a way it so often works, right? Yes. Where somebody just decides, oh, we see it all the time. Somebody who has no connection to the people at all says, 
oh, I'm going to run for governor, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to Look whatever. at the president of the United mm-hmm. States we have right now. Hello. <laughs> Must we be reminded? Yeah, I mean. You know, one, one of the things, I mean, to, to throw in a little uh, national angle here, you know, when, when we were talking a little bit about how the Republicans, you know, they really want to stay focused on tax, you know, tax reform and, and overhauling the individual and, and corporate rates. But one of the things that I think is going to really ch- shape the dynamics of that is at the state and local level. Mm-hmm. Because one of the ways that the Republicans are exploring you know, doing altering the tax code is by taking away the deduction for state and local taxes yeah. that people have. Oh, so yeah. that that disproportionately affects people in in states like California and New York. And even though those are nationally democratic states, guess what? There are a lot of vulnerable <laughs> Republicans in New York and New Jersey and California. And they're they're actually you could argue that they may yeah. be a little more more in tune with their constituents than the na- than the national mm-hmm. party. It's hard to see them voting for for big tax hikes at the local level mm-hmm. on their constituents. Right. And mm-hmm. so, like the, again, yeah, want, right at the basic level. I want to ask mm-hmm. you what I think is the most important race in the country um, uh, uh, this year. I don't want to exaggerate that too much, but certainly one of the most important: Governor Virginia, mm-hmm. coming up soon. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday after uh, this tragedy in Las Vegas and Ed Gillespie says, now's not the time to talk about gun control or gun safety. It, it just boggles my mind. It is always the time, you know. But, you know, look at, look at what happened in Sandy Hook, for example. When the country didn't move then, we should have known that we were in trouble. If the deaths of children don't move our nation then we absolutely are in trouble. And as my colleague, Representative Lucy Flores, a former assemblywoman in Nevada, reminded me that in Nevada, the attorney general is actively working against uh, a policy that was passed by the people of Nevada for for stronger Mm -hmm. background checks. Think Mm -hmm. about that. The attorney general that took an oath to uphold the people's will is actively working against that kind of public policy in Nevada. And, you know, we definitely need thoughts and prayers, but the people who are the policymakers need to do, need to add more than their thoughts and prayers to this. Well, we are so glad you're here. We'll have to get you back again soon. We'd love that. All right. Go through all the list of candidates we can support. You can find out by going to OurRevolution.com. Nina Turner, the new president of Our Revolution, and Jason Dick. Roll call, as always. Thank you, man, for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks. Have a great day, folks. We'll see you tomorrow right here. This is The Bill Press Show.